this is feeling uh, a little bit like Fringe, <laughs> maybe. You know, like um, I'm trying to remember. The, there was another TV show we used to watch that had that sort of vibe of like they're, you know, they're fighting against the bad guys. And, yeah. In a in a crazy kind of way. But I'm gonna go with Fringe. I'm yeah. gonna go with Fringe, even though we haven't seen Fringe in a while. Yeah. No, that's, but uh, that's I'm sure that's not what it's called. <laughs> that yeah, uh, waiting on a choice by. Greg Hoffman. Greg Hoffman. Did we get information on Greg Hoffman? I I haven't, but um, one thing I found is that in the description of uh the video of the videos that have all the music, it has a little description of like what he was doing for making it, and uh, this one was a commission for someone making like a tower defense game. Oh, awesome! So awesome. Yeah. Oh, wait, so there were videos associated with each of these pieces of music. Yes, each each piece of music is posted on YouTube as a video. But they're collected all together on the website that he has. So is it? Uh, the, I guess I could actually watch these and and not have to ask you. But is it like animation, or is it just like a single it's, picture? It's just a single picture with the music behind it. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's a standard thing. That's what we do with our podcast, even yeah. though I'm a couple weeks behind. Uh, where you there's a, a there's a website that is kind of automatic. Well, it doesn't automatically, but it yeah it, it uploads it to you quickly. How's right. That? How's that? <laughs> so uh, anyway, oh awesome, awesome. Uh, let me introduce myself. I am Didge, uh, your host, guide, and sometimes provocateur, and welcome to the 14th episode of So There's That, the podcast, which is pretty amazing yeah, that we've gotten to like good. 14, because, you know, that's one more than 13. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we finished a quarter of a year. Wow. Plus yeah, one. No, you're right. Right? You know, because like 13 times four is... It's 52. There you go. Mathlete. Yeah. Mathlete. So, speaking of mathletes, let me introduce my sidekick and co-host Dante. Hello, I'm Dante. So, how um how's your week? Uh it's been good. Um a, earlier one of the earlier podcasts I mentioned that I wanted to do a comic and I'd been working on it, figured out a story I wanted to do and I'd started doing like sketches and designs for characters in it. And I realized that I am not comfortable drawing people, at least not in a repetitive fashion in like a comic. Like if I were to do a single picture I'd be happy to do that, but I was getting stressed having to do the same structure over and over again because I'm not comfortable drawing people yet. Well, that I mean, I had that problem when I drew. Yeah. When I drew, um, I I certain pictures I would drew looked really good, but I could never replicate them. Right. And I think there's a Peanuts uh, comic strip where uh, Charlie Brown, one of the characters, maybe it's Linus, uh, draws draws this person. And uh, the teacher, I guess it's not the teacher because the teacher's going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. but someone goes, oh, my God, this, oh, you know, I bet it was Linus drew it. And probably it was it was Charlie Brown okay. who commented on and said, wow, this is a really good picture. It's fascinating because you drew the character with his arms behind his back <laughs> as if he's contemplative. And Linus or whoever goes, no, it's just because I can't draw hands. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I know <laughs> like drawing people. That's hard. Yeah. yeah no, it, it's it's like so. I thought of ways to get around this because I, I still wanted to do the comic over the summer, so I thought to things that I knew how to draw. I contemplated doing ponies because I, I, that's what started me with art. I've been drawing ponies for a while, but I didn't want to do like a fan comic. I want this to be like my own personal thing. So I went even farther back to one of the first things that I, I used to draw, which 
was ants and other insects, bugs, and, and arachnids and stuff. And I'm sorry, I do, I know everyone accuses me of jumping in <laughs> and, and doing this, but I like to provide a little bit of background on this stuff. Dante, when, when you were very young, were fascinated by insects yes. and bugs. Yes. And so we used to get you all these different guidebooks and books about arachnids and about ants and about all these different yeah. things. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, this is really cool. I mean, in fact, we used to get you, Michael, your brother is not as into insects as you are. Right. And I remember one time we got you a tarantula, a snap together tarantula, and we had to make you promise not to freak your brother out. (laughs) By uh, by like hiding it on his bed yeah. or something because you like tarantulas and you like scorpions and you like all these different yeah. creepy crawly things that I don't <laughs> that like. So anyway, so it is neat to see you delve back into something that you were really into oh, in, yeah. in your childhood. So, yeah, I've I've been drawing ants for like the last week and a half and getting back into the habit of drawing them and, and getting a uh, familiarity that that means that I can do a comic with them. And, and I've gotten to a point where I'm really comfortable drawing ants. Well, I, I also want to say one of the pieces of art that you <laughs> drew, the leg on the ant was so awesome. It was a sketchy style, but right. there was a quiet confidence <laughs> that you knew what the leg looked like. And this is how you drew it. It was almost like a wire yeah, portrayal of the ant's leg. And I know it's such a minor <laughs> point, but it was drawn with such authority. And this is something that I've been fascinated by with artists is that it, and I'm probably completely wrong about this, but when you're starting out, you sort of have a lot of lines. Yeah. And you draw and you draw and you draw and somewhere in there is kind of the line that you want. And the right. better you get and the, the more experienced you get, uh, you your sketches become worthy of being drawings. Yeah. And there are less lines used to express visually what you're trying to do. Right. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, that is the sort of sketches I see in art books. <laughs> like that is someone who, again, it's about the confidence of saying like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Because I think anyone who draws or has tried to draw knows that the slower you draw, sort of the worse the picture is. Yeah. And you sort of, and it's not necessarily the fastest you go, but there is that. But so again, I just, that was so yeah. awesome to me. Are you sharing these sketches and these things like that anywhere online? I've posted a bunch of them up on my Tumblr, but I don't remember which ones I have and which ones I haven't. It's sort of been a spur of the moment. Oh, I want to put this up. And what's your Tumblr? That is um, arcanations.tumblr.com. So that's A-R-K-E-N-A-T-I-O-N-S.tumblr.com. Right. And Tumblr doesn't have E's, right? Right. Yeah, that it loses the E. So yeah. 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 Um, but no, I've, I've been doing that for the comic. Um, and it, I'm having sort of the reverse problem of instead of having like the story and stuff figured out and not knowing what to do for the art, I have the art figured out and I'm still trying to figure out the story. I have the basic work figured out, but I, I have to work a fair amount more to figure out what exactly I'm doing. Is the working of the story because it's now using ants or is it, or is it, is the story that you're telling are ants merely the, the ciphers for the story, right? Are they uh, anthropomorphic sort of, or you don't even know that far yet? Oh, I, I, I'm doing realistic ants. I want to do ants that are ants. They don't talk. They might be given, like, a little bit of um, intelligence so that, like, they can 
carry out a story, but I'm not going to do dialogue. I'm not going to do thought bubbles. I want to do it kind of in the style of uh, a manga that I really love called Gone that followed like this dinosaur in a modern day, essentially. And it was beautifully done and had no speech, no thought, just the features of the animals showing like what was happening. And I've always loved that. Uh, do you is is that the same Gon who appears in Tekken the video game? Yes, yes, it is. Okay, and he like runs at people and smashes them with his head. Yep. This reminds me of an artist uh, called I believe it's Steve Bissett. Uh, hopefully, I won't have to do uh, uh, corrections next week for this. Steve Bissett was a uh, who drew Swamp Thing uh, with Alan Moore. He was mm-hmm. one of the artists that did the early Swamp Things by okay. by Alan Moore. And he later did his own independent comic book about a dinosaur. Okay. That lived during dinosaur times. And there's no dialogue. <laughs> and I am blanking on the name of that. Uh, I will have to dig that up for next time and find that for you. Yeah. Tyrant. I want to call it Tyrant. Okay. I could be wrong. But right. I'm going to say Tyrant now and we'll correct next time. Uh, anyone who's who's read this, please you know drop us a yeah. note. Let us know what you think. But it was a it was a black and white comic, uh, and and I read a couple issues. It was it was very interesting. It was very interesting. Same sort of thing. So maybe I, I will try to dig that yeah. up for you. Uh, I don't think I could have sworn I had a couple issues of it, but I haven't stumbled across any as I've been sort of reboxing things. But if right. I do, that's the same sort of yeah. concept, which is which is neat. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to do. <laughs> uh but that's that is uh that's very cool. Yeah. Very so cool. yeah, that's that's what my week was and and yeah. Uh well, I um I started on another work project oh, yeah. awesome. which uh which I am enjoying immensely. Uh and that's probably as far as I will get into it other than I'm just I'm having a good time working with um with a really neat group of folks heading awesome. up to New York uh this upcoming week yeah. uh for a series of meetings on stuff. Uh I guess uh we watched Friday night, I think. Thursday night? Friday night. Uh Friday night. Friday night we watched the third man. Yes. So again, as our weeks are dwindling uh with you, I am trying to squeeze in your movie knowledge, your 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 movie history, your yeah. movie knowledge base that I've been trying to give you as you've grown up. Right. And The Third Man is one of the films I've always wanted to show you. And I finally tracked down the Criterion Collection version of it, which is a very clean version. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Third Man is uh, based, uh, well, it's a script by Graham Greene, who is a, a famous uh, writer of of like spy type fiction in the forties okay. and, and fifties. And this is uh, one of his strongest works and it's directed by Carol Reed and, and stars Joseph Cotton, who was in Citizen Kane yep. and uh, Latitude Zero and, uh, and stars Orson Welles yep. as Harry Lyme. And I have so been looking forward to watching this, but after we watched Citizen Kane and you're like, well, it's good, but nah. <laughs> you know, you start to get worried that maybe these movies aren't, aren't, aren't going to hold up. And so, we watched Third Man. What'd you think? Oh, it was great. I like. There's um this th- there's this thing with black and white movies that like there's a certain like, uh, disconnection because of how everything's in color. But with this, like, I was completely enthralled through. Yeah, it, it does feel very very modern. Yeah, uh, it has Bernard Lee in it, uh, who's M in in many of the okay. Bond movies. Yeah, uh, he's he's in that. And uh, just a, a spectacular, spectacular film shot in deep focus, which yeah. <laughs> is which is one of my favorite sort of looks of 
older black and white films uh, that that Orson Welles used. Uh, Carol Reed was definitely influenced uh, by Orson Welles' work. There's some debate as to whether Orson Welles uh, directed it to a certain extent, but uh, as far as I can tell, that's it's right. not really true, but it was definitely influenced yeah. uh, by by the work that he had done. The version we had had Peter Bogdanovich, uh, who who was right. a director and and a and a friend and fan of of Orson Welles, and he talked about how it pulled from The Stranger, which was a Orson Welles film, right, uh, with Edward G. Robinson and uh, Lady from Shanghai with Rita Hayworth, who uh, Orson Welles was married to at the time. But it's that same sort of wonderful film noir, yeah. wonderful, uh, a lot of up camera angles, a lot of long shots, yeah. a lot of deep focus. And Orson Welles is magnificent in it. Um, I oh, love yeah. I, the dialogue because you have Joseph Cotton who's in Vienna and he's received a letter from a friend of his offering him a job. He's a he's a pulp writer yeah. of Westerns. And when he arrives there, he discovers that his friend uh, is dead and was killed in a car accident yeah. and that there were two people who moved the body and, and they shared his friend's final words with him and instructions for taking care of him. And then he finds out that there was in fact a third man yep. who was there with the body. Hence the name of the movie, the third man uh, extraordinarily well done. I don't want to go any deeper than that because there's some neat, um, there's some neat, plot points in it oh yeah uh, if you have never seen it highly highly oh, recommended yes. this may be my favorite orson wells sort of performance yeah. uh and joseph cotton uh a playing an american hmm. in vienna doesn't speak german so he's constantly asking people wait wait wait, what'd they say it's it's just it's a neat device it's something that alfred hitchcock did as well where you're suddenly thrown into a new world and the protagonist is you yeah and is is playing the part of you in the movie, asking all the questions and slowly trying to put the puzzle together. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the other thing we did, which was uh, why we didn't watch more movies, was uh, we went to Otakon, which is yeah. an anime convention. Oh, yeah. Something that I have been taking the kids to uh, since 1999. Yep. Uh, I think actually 98 may have been the first year because there was okay. an anime convention that we heard about. And we took both of you. You were very young. Yeah. And that was where Michael got his. He was a big fan of Pokemon. And I was working crazy hours. And so I kept coming home and he kept saying, got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. <laughs> and I couldn't understand what he was talking about. And your mom would be like, no, no, no. It's this TV show. And I don't remember what it's called. But <laughs> like he watches it all the time. And there's these little tiny monsters. And, and then you have to catch all the monsters. And I'm like okay this doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh yeah i think it's called pocket monsters or something like that and so we went to this convention uh and they it was on sunday and they let us in for free i think yeah. it was katsukan which is the other big anime yeah. convention in the dc washington uh, baltimore dc area and uh and they let us in on sunday because you know we had the you know the, the baby carriage the side by side with the two of you on it and we w went by a table and michael hops out of the <laughs> stroller and and points at it and goes, gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, and it it was Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I bought a Pikachu shirt. Yes. Which yes. I'm wearing right now. Um, this is neat because it's a shirt I always wanted to try to wear, but I never felt comfortable as a guy. Right. Wearing it. So now is you know transgender woman. 
I get to kind of wear whatever I want, which yeah. is really cool. So I bought this Pikachu t-shirt, which is yellow. <laughs> and so when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, I want size small. They don't have a like a woman's tee. It's just a regular thing. So I'm going to get a size yeah. small. And the, it, it's Pikachu's face. Yes. Right? So it's like his two eyes and his little red cheeks. And so when I pick it up, I'm looking at it and I'm like, so have they strategically <laughs> placed these eyes or cheeks such that um, they end up becoming like pasties for my chest, which right. is not the look I'm going yeah. for. I just want, you know, oh, and it has a tail on the back. Yeah. It's like the, it has a Pikachu, which is a electric mouse, has a little Pikachu tail on the yeah. back um, kind of drawn on. So I was very excited and I put it and I'm happy to say it's it's not it's it's. You know, it's age appropriate. It looks yep. cool. It's yep. just my chest sort of helps to create the face of Pikachu yeah. without being like, you know, inappropriate. Right. Right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So we have been going. Oh, I guess. Well, we I, I guess I should finish up that previous story uh, is that we saw a three pack of Pikachu. Yeah. That we got for Michael. And. This pat well, this summer, as I've been packing, I I asked him if maybe I could have one of those three <laughs> Pikachu's, and he's a terrific kid, right? Shares everything. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Won't share this. No. Mm-hmm. No. 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 Nope. Those were that was my first anime, right? Yeah. That was my first. You know, that was my first thing. I vividly remember oh, yeah. getting it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So no. So uh, I got you because you liked it as well for Christmas. I got you a three pack. Yep. And asked if if you would share them with me, and you wanted to keep all three. Well, to be clear, it was that no, not in a bad way. No, just, no, like it was your Christmas present. It was um, that you asked because you, you wanted one, and I was completely fine with it. But it turns out that the one that all of us wanted specifically to keep is the same one. So no, but Michael wouldn't give up. Either oh, I, of them, I get that. Any of them, but but for me, it was that the one that you would want to take is the cool one and and i didn't want to give that one away so yeah so i had to end up getting my own yeah basically (laughs) uh so now which is actually pretty cool because they're not expensive it's like it's not hard they're from japan but it's like maybe 10 bucks for the for the three pack and uh and so we now have them and so as part of my bookcase display that's going into the new apartment the literal centerpiece of the very top of the bookcase is going to be the three yeah. Pikachu. So we were talking about what we want to do this weekend, and I realized that Otakon, that we've literally gone to 10 times in the past, you know, 16 years, yeah, uh, was going on in Baltimore, which is maybe an hour away from us. And so I said, hey, uh, what do you guys think? And you were very enthusiastic yep. about going to Otakon, because this was a big part of your growing up, was us going together. <laughs> For these things, and uh, and we haven't been on one in like five years or something. Yeah. So, do you have a good time? Oh, it was awesome. Um, it it's really cool to go back after not going for a few years because there's all the things you remember, and then the you see things and and think back on how awesome it used to be and how awesome it is now, and and it it was really nice because like the last time we had gone, we were kind of. We were running out of, like, we weren't having as much fun with the experience because it was kind of changing a bit. But it, it like, has returned to, like, being a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a lot of cosplaying there. 
And yeah. that's part of the joy of it. Oh, yeah. And I think we there was a phase when people were like, Naruto's not cool. And this, yeah. oh, like, oh, you don't watch this anime, then you're not a real anime fan. There's yeah. a lot of that sort of competitive fan nature. And we didn't see it this time. Yeah. And, and what's fun is you see kids who are four or five years old dressing up as <laughs> their favorite character. Uh, we saw a grandmother taking her granddaughter yeah. dressed up as, as Tsunade from Naruto. And it's just, there was joy there. There was joy in yeah. everyone's costume and people would stop and be like, oh my God, I love what you <laughs> did. Oh, let me take a picture. And and as a result, when you walk around as a as transgender, as a transgender woman, uh, no one really paid attention to me. Yeah. Because I wasn't the most, you know, out of place thing there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I got very few, I mean, every once in a while, I'd sort of get kind of a double take. Or what costume are you wearing? Because I was wearing my Sailor Jupiter from right. Sailor Moon, my yeah. Sailor Jupiter shirt. Uh, and uh, so, but again, by and large, it was, uh, you know, and, and and it was awesome because, ball, you know, Maryland is one of the states that supports a transgender person being able to yeah. use the bathroom they identify with. And I think I've talked about this a little bit before. I, um, I am not comfortable using a men's room now. Right. Uh, it, because I present as female, it just feels like I'm intruding and, and I understand the guys being like, okay, I don't like, yeah. what are you doing here? And, but the, the flip side is, is I understand that some women might have an issue with me being in there and, and not necessarily even say anything, but just be a little uncomfortable. Right. And, and I'm not trying to get political about this. I just, you know, I, I, I you know, I try not to make what I'm going through something else that other people need to deal with. Right. And uh, and so there was a point where there just there was no bathroom. There was no gender neutral bathroom that I could find. And uh, so I went into the women's room and, and that was a new experience for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've done it before, but it's always been empty sort of thing, you know, right. where I've gone in with somebody who, who was a friend of mine. And, and but here it was just like it's a convention. And so it's busy. And I guess guy bathrooms, like people stand in line. Yeah. And in this thing, it was just like a door would open and someone would pop in. And so I was suddenly like trying to figure out, well, how do I do this? Because I didn't want to make a big fuss. Because I right. part of being transgender is that you don't want to call a lot of attention to yourself. Right. Yeah. You don't want to dress in outrageous modes. You want to blend in. Yeah. You're not doing this to be outrageous. You're not doing this to be a drag queen. Yeah. You're doing this to be who you are and to fit in. You know, yeah. and so finally, I was finally kind of able to creep in into one of the stalls, um, and uh, and then you know, and then and then left, and uh, and it was neat. It was neat because no one gave me a weird look. You know, there were a couple like sort of head nods of like, oh, right. okay, hey, um, and then we found a gender neutral bathroom, yeah, which was labeled as such. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I have I have an app that's on my phone called Refuge. And it tells you where the gender-neutral bathrooms are, right. which is the bathroom I prefer to use. And um, and so it was great because I used it, you know, over the course of the day because I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. And, and then I, at one point, I had someone who was sort of in line in front of me. And I went to go in there and he's like, excuse me, I'm, you know, I'm in front of you. And I didn't realize there was a line. I just yeah. thought he was standing yeah. off to the side. And I'm like this is gender fluid. I mean, this is, I'm sorry, this is gender neutral, right? Yeah. And gender fluid. 
Um, and I was just like, your bathroom's right around the corner. Like, really? Yeah. Like, do you, you yeah. know? And then we talked about it later, and I don't know, maybe he, you know, doesn't like using other bathrooms. Like, maybe, right, yeah. you know? And so maybe I was being uh, judgmental and judgy judge. Uh, yeah. But again, just by and large, that was, uh, and it was just, it was a really nice experience. Got to walk through the dealer's room and yeah. bought a couple things yeah. along with a oh, t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, Latitude Zero with Joseph Cotton, <laughs> which is which is a Japanese uh, kaiju film, I think, <laughs> and um, and Joseph Cotton, who's famous from Citizen Kane, Magnificent Ambersons, <laughs> Third Man, a uh, very famous actor in like whatever it was, 1968, ended up in a Japanese kaiju uh, monster movie, yeah. uh, and I've never seen it. He has like white hair and stuff uh, near the end of his career, sort of wow. thing. Don't know what ended up happening. It was like, oh, I'm going to do a trip to Japan and I'll do a movie that no one will ever see. <laughs> and won't that be neat? Or if it was just kind of like that was the end of his career. Um, so, yeah, that was that, um, yeah. that was fun. That was that really was, cool. That was fun. Oh, and and you got something. You got the little figure. I got you a little figure. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. No, we got because um, we, we we would always we used to go for Naruto specifically. And we kind of had our our characters that like we individually liked. So for me, it was Zetsu, who is like this half plant thing, and with like a Venus flytrap yeah head, yeah. which is so cool. It's hard to describe it. Look it up. Um, no Venus flytrap head. I think I just did it. But it's not exactly. It's it's weird. No, like I didn't say it exactly. It wasn't right. like a dude with a Venus flytrap forehead. It was <laughs> like a Venus flytrap with his head in the middle. Yeah. And your mom made a really cool yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, costume for you to cosplay one year. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, Zetsu is like my thing and has been like my username for most websites that I, I used to use. So And we, your email, which we're not going to share. Right, we don't yeah, want a Bernie Burns exactly. type situation yeah. here. Right? Yep. And uh, so we saw it was a really cute figure of, of, of Zetsu. It was like so, a chibi. Yeah. Which, yeah, is, which, which is, is a Japanese. Deformed, right. uh, and it's cute. So I, I went and got that. And, that, that and cool. what what I really liked about it is Michael's character was Toby. Yes. yes. And so the two of them, that was when they went to anime conventions, it would be Toby and Zetsu is what they got dressed up as. Yeah. Uh, and um, and so the, it, the characters are friends in the in the manga and anime. So it has Zetsu, but it has a little tiny Toby yeah. on it, which I thought was neat since you're going to college. <laughs> just, there is a lot of symbolism in it. Yeah. So that that was cool. So yeah, that was um I guess that was our week. That was yeah. our, our week and our weekend. Um so let me I, I jump into corrections and clarifications. And I don't think we had any corrections last week, right? Or was that the week before? It was the week before. We had a, a few last week. Okay. So that's another mistake. I just <laughs> made. Uh so I have a couple. Uh and, and the first is clarification. So we were talking I was talking about eating dinner mm -hmm. uh at the macaroni place. Yeah. Right on St. Mark's. And that there was a rat that ran underneath the chair. And I just want to clarify, having re-listened to this again and realized that I know what happened, but other people don't. We were, in fact, seated outside. Yes. Okay? I'm not trashing a restaurant saying that there were rats inside. Right. I'm saying that there were rats outside in New York, had nothing to do with the restaurant. Yeah. But that's just kind of what happens in New York is you see... Rats cruising around every once in a while. And, yeah. And uh, yeah. in fact, I when I used to work in New York like five years ago, I was on Christie, 
uh, which is like near the Bowery. And there was a swarm of rats <laughs> that I, cause I like worked until like two in the morning and I was walking back to, to an apartment that I was staying at. And there was a swarm of rats saw me and they just sort of ran across the street right in front of me. Wow. And so again, wearing boots, not a big deal. Yeah. But one of them started to get sort of trampled on. So he jumped and he caught on to a steel door, you know, like a grate yeah. sort of thing, like a fence yeah. door. And the door swung. <laughs> and so it was like he had like three rats like doing their Errol Flynn thing. So anyway. <laughs> So yes, so outside outdoor rats, not not yeah. like a disgusting sort of restaurant. Uh, the other thing, and this is um, this is really embarrassing. Um, I said we ran into Sean Wallace from Princess Pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Wallace Sean. Oh. I reversed it. This okay. is what happens when you have two first names yeah. as part of your name. Yeah, but I I guess I've always just Sean is more of a first name to me than Wallace, right. but yeah. it's actually. Wallace Sean. Okay. And I hope I got that right and I don't have to do another <laughs> correction. So anyway, and and we talked about tiki's yes. last time. So I did a little bit of research. And tiki comes from the Maori, which were the indigenous Polynesian people of New Zealand. Okay. So these are the folks who lived in New Zealand before like the westerners showed up in the 1600s, right? Yeah. The tiki is the first man in their mythology, okay? And was created by Tuma Tauenga. Okay. And I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, And by extension, a tiki is a large wooden carving in humanoid form. Um, So these are similar to other carvings found in Polynesia. Right. Throughout history. Right. Um, And they often serve to mark the boundaries of sacred or significant sites. Okay. Right. So as we usually do in the West, we made cups out of them (laughs) and drink alcohol from their hollowed out skulls and or bodies. Right. (laughs) Um, Because that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, We take their uh, we take other people's religion better known as mythology. Right. Defined as by that uh, by Joseph Campbell uh, and use it as a pretense to get drunk. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if this is offensive. Right. I don't know if tiki bards are actually offensive or not. Yeah. Um, so if if it is, then I guess I won't go. But until then, it's a freaking tiki bar. <laughs> yeah. I got to go. Right. Yeah, exactly. I got to go. Exactly. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, moving on to updates. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into invited guests because, again, for the next whatever four or five weeks, I'm a little bit in limbo here between downtown Gaithersburg and, uh, and Manhattan. And I don't, I'm just not in a situation really to be able to take on a guest. It's I'm juggling a lot of stuff, moving, packing, right. Trying to get you ready. You're spending time with your mom doing it like another trip, right? You're going to Gen Con this week. Right. And so it's just, just trying to figure out when to do the podcast, what movies we're going to watch, all these different things. I just, you know, we may have one special guest before we wrap for the summer, but then we're also looking at the prospect of you starting school. Yep. <laughs> and I don't want this podcast to intrude upon yeah. your collegiate experience. Right. So we are probably going to take a, uh, Dante's probably going to take a sabbatical 
yep. from the podcast. And then I need to figure out sort of how we continue this because I enjoy doing it and I want to oh, yeah. continue doing it. And maybe I'll do a series of, of you know, guest co-hosts. Right. Yeah. You know, fill in Dante's. That, right? Yeah. So um, substitute Dante's. <laughs> maybe that. I don't know. Uh, and, and we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So I'm not going to worry about that for a little bit. We also got delayed with doing YouTube videos, right? Yeah, so we were yeah. going to do the open phase Waldorf chicken salad sandwich this weekend, and we didn't get to it. And I also want to do a Bloody Mary. Definitely want it because yeah. that's like my new drink. That's like my new drink. In fact, in fact, when we were at Oticon, oh yeah, uh, we decided to grab dinner. And there's a there's a pub like an alehouse across the street from the convention center that we go to every year yeah. that we've been there, and uh, and I got a Bloody Mary there, which was which was quite which was quite good. But and I felt kind of bad. They completely yeah. screwed up our order. Oh yeah, yeah. they completely screwed up their our order. We we ordered appetizers, had a long conversation with the server uh, about uh, which appetizer we wanted to get. Yep. And I checked her ticket. Her ticket was correct. So. They send out our entrees first. So you guys had burgers. Yep. I had a uh, what? I had a crab corn quesadilla. Yep, which was quite good. And so the burgers and the quesadilla come out first. Yep. And I look at the person who's who's. It's not the the not the waitress. It's it's like the person who brings food out. Yep. And I said, excuse me, um, where are our appetizers? And he's like, I just bring food out. I don't know, man. Yep. So he leaves. And the next person comes out. You know, 10 minutes later with the appetizers. And I said, I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to be a pain, but um, what are we supposed to do with the appetizers? Yeah. Like, those are supposed to come out first. And they're like, and he totally threw the waitress oh, yeah. under the bus oh, yeah. on that one. Yep. And she's like, wow. He's like, well, they put it in wrong, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I personally don't want to eat my appetizers now. Yeah. Because it's like we are halfway through our dinner. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's just like, again, you order an appetizer. That's by definition, that's what an appetizer is. Yeah. So the waitress comes over and she goes, I'm sorry, is there a problem? And I said, well, look, I mean, the food's really good and you've been really nice and the Bloody Mary's dynamite. But, you know, the food came out in the wrong order. And now I'm looking at the appetizer and we were supposed to get a super big pretzel with corn dip with, I'm sorry, crab dip on top. Yep. Not the crab dip with bread on the side yeah uh and she goes oh my god i'm so sorry let me bring out the pretzel and i said no 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 um we aren't gonna eat the appetite i mean we'll take them with us yeah. don't you know but you got them in the wrong order right and you got one of the orders wrong so yeah i mean i can't tell you hey great job i mean the food came out quick and it's good but you know yeah and so she was a little rattled by that yeah. And again, the, everyone was nice. Like, it wasn't a thing that I was transgender. Right. Except for the people who were seated at the table because yeah. it's, it was outdoor seating. So we were sort of standing, waiting to be seated for half an hour. And the people sitting at the table that we ended up sitting at, uh, and you can, I, I will do a fact check with you. Yep. I'm going to tell my version of events, and then yep. we're going to have you do a reality check for me. All right. The guy kept looking at me. And then he'd sort of lean over with his eyes still on me and start talking to his wife. And he was, I don't know, maybe 60, something like that. And his and his wife had like the big sunglasses on. And then she starts looking and then she's kind of starts smiling and kind of, you know, a little bit of pointing. And I'm just like, okay, you know, everything's groovy. Everything's good. I'm just going to ignore it. I had a really right, good day. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. You know, not going to worry about it. So, but again, you're kind of walking back. And every time I turn around, they're still looking at me and like whispering. 
And I'm trying to figure out what are they whispering about? Is it, I mean, I had badges on me. Like yeah. I had all the old Otakon badges. Oh, yeah. So they knew I was from Otakon. Maybe they didn't know what Otakon was. Right. Right. Maybe they're just trying to figure out like, what is this thing? I don't understand. Or what is this person's costume? Or is this person transgender? Or is this a costume? Right. Or, and this is what I think would be best case, and this is the one, to, to your point last time, always go with the best possible scenario. Yeah. And the best possible scenario would be them staring at me trying to figure out uh, if I am a woman or a transgender woman or a dude. Right. And again, it was just, you know, you walk and you pace and you kind of were chit-chatting and stuff like that. And you turn around and, like, people are still staring at me. Right. And again, I wasn't angry, but it just got to a point where we talked about, you know, the the minor kerfuffle I had in New York last week. But I walked and I kept yeah. going and it was over. Yeah. It was 60 seconds soup to nuts. And this was, what, 20 minutes of it? 30 minutes of it? Yeah. So what was your interpretation of what happened? I mean, I didn't like walk real time, so I, I can't give any accurate representation of time. I, I don't know. But after you noticed it, you mentioned it, and I looked over, and I absolutely did notice them doing it. I I can confirm that they were doing that, but I can't go into depth about anything. Specific. No conjecture as to what yeah. was going on in, in their mind. Did it bother you? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was rude. That, yeah, that's yeah. That's really what it comes down to to me. It just feels like it's rude. So anyway, the manager comes out. Yes. Right? And she goes, uh, excuse me, I heard that there was a problem with your order. Now, I have worked customer relation type stuff over the years. I was a travel agent a very, very long time ago at the World Bank. And this was back in the day when the only computer system was Sabre, uh, which was the American Airlines publishing system. Okay. And it's, you went in, and you know this, you would submit, this is the, the uh, this is the uh, trip that I want my passenger to go on. I want them to go on this flight, because I've searched through the computer, and you say that you have availability. So you would send right. NN, need, need. And then it would come back with, I think, HK, which was holding confirmed. Right. And we had a woman there who, Annette, I think was her name. And she used to deal with complaints. And she was the most positive, <laughs> groovy person I have ever met in my life. And one day I went up to her, I said, how do you do this? Because every single day, your job is to have people complain to you about how much we suck. <laughs> and you are so upbeat and every single person leaves happy. What do you do? And she goes, well, you start by making yourself happy. And then after a while, you are. You have a smile on your face all the time. And when a person comes in, you acknowledge that there is an error. Man. They want to be heard. They want to hear that someone agrees with them. They don't have to argue and say, yes, you did this. No, you did this. Okay. They want to be heard. They have been wronged through no fault of their own. And they want someone to acknowledge that. Yeah. Number one. Yep. Apologize and fix it. Yep. 
And so she would, every time someone would come in with a problem, she'd go, I'm so sorry that you had a problem. Not yeah. debating whether there was a problem. Uh, let's sit down. Let me see what I can do to fix this for you. Yep. Would you like a piece of chocolate? Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant, <laughs> right? So the manager comes over and she goes, I heard that there's a problem. And I said, well, look, it's not a big deal. The food's really good. But appetizers came out afterwards and the appetizer was wrong and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And so she's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take it off the off of your bill. And I'm like, look, it's really, it's not a big deal. I just, you know. And so she's like, no, 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 no. And then she stops and she looks at me and she goes, you have the most beautiful blue eyes. I am so sorry. But I just had to say your eyes are, wow, they're gorgeous. And, oh, my God, how do you get to, you know, a trans woman's heart is yeah. like compliment her eyes, right? Yep. So... <laughs> So after that, we were good. Yeah, we were good. So I, I actually ended up leaving a really nice tip because I wanted them to know that, like, look, I, I've worked bars, I've worked restaurants, and, and I know that it's not always their fault. Yeah, and there's only so much you can do. So you know, it, it it ended up being a very nice experience. And so when we left after I'd paid, I went up to the front desk to thank the manager. And she was talking to someone else and then someone kind of pointed at me and she's like, oh, and I said, look, I just wanted, and I reached forward to her with my hand, um, to, you know, almost to kind of touch her on her, on her arm and say, you know, thank you so much for, for taking care of this. And yeah. I was going to joke, thanks for complimenting me on my eyes. And she leans forward, she grabs my hand, I guess the, sort of the way women do. It was yeah. really wild. And she's like, oh, no problem. You know, take care, have a great day. And it was, it was just, it was a neat moment. It was a neat yeah. little thing. And I get these little moments now that I've never had in my life right? where people are treating me differently and sometimes in a negative way, right. but I'm also getting a lot of really awesome, positive responses. Yeah. Women, many women are treating me seemingly as female. Right. And I... It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. It's why I just, you know, you read all these articles and we talked about this last week, disrespect and all these different things. But this has just been awesome for me. This has been so I, I really focus on the positive and um, and the positive is fantastic. Yeah, the positive is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, so anyway, um, I, I guess let's switch gears real quick because I know Alex has been waiting for this. Yeah. Our Alexa web ranking. Right. Yeah. Last time was thirteen million one hundred and forty nine thousand eight hundred and nine. And you know how I said they we were going up and down, up yep. and down? So overnight we went to fifteen million eight hundred eighty seven thousand sixty one. Wow. So I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I guess I, I think tomorrow we're gonna come back and, you know, be at thirteen million. So Alex, that's your Alexa yep. update for the week. Uh, we're still we're still doing well with iTunes UK. Awesome. You know, we're still like number three, number seven, and number forty six under new and noteworthy. Cool. But I think it's going to come to a close pretty soon because we've been up there for a fair amount of time. Yeah. And I read somewhere that I think it's, I think it's uh, eight weeks is is the like the maximum amount of time that you're up now, okay. which is about what we were with US. Yeah. And then uh, we were, I believe, on UK. We came a couple weeks later, so right. I would not shock me. If, yeah. if this were the end of it. But, but, the pandering has been so successful. I'm loath to end our UK 
pandering. Yeah. So I figured maybe we could talk, and we're also running out of stuff to pander. Oh, about. right. Absolutely. Like our trip is starting to run out. Yeah. So, uh, th- but I realized we didn't talk about our trip to Portsmouth. Yeah. So I am a huge Patrick O'Brien fan. I'm a fan of a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, but Patrick O'Brien is an author who wrote a series of books. Master and Commander is the first one. They made a movie of it uh, with Russell Crowe. Oh. Movie is not anywhere near as good as the books. Sorry. Just mm-hmm. kind of get that out of the way. And he ended up writing 20 full books. And it's about Captain Jack Aubrey, who is a captain in the... Uh, British Royal Navy during the Napoleonic Wars Okay, with his particular friend, his best friend, Dr. Stephen Matron, who is a physician okay. and a natural philosopher and a learned man. Right. And he's part Irish, part Catalan and awesome character. Awesome character. I don't want to give away too much, but they end up traveling together during different military actions during the Napoleonic Wars. Okay. And then Stephen Maturin sort of, you know, looks at the fauna and and yeah. just all these fascinating things. Right. That just, I, I, they go to the Galapagos Islands and they theme a turtle after Captain Jack Aubrey. And it's just brilliant because it, you don't realize it until about probably 40 pages in that this is a comedy. This is actually a comedy, and they're sailing these tall ships. Okay. And the captain was the king of the ship. You are sailing for six months at a crack. Right. You are a village where people are packed in like sardines. And so it's this interactions of what goes on board the ship and how people are interacting and how you have to treat people so there's no mutiny. And Stephen Matron... How he's like has to cut off someone's arm because right. like, something happened, and then how he has to treat it, and all these different things, and it's okay. utterly fascinating. The person who 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 told me I had to read it, I'm just like, it's the Napoleonic Wars, it's the British Royal Navy. Like, what? How much more boring can you get? <laughs> but I have fallen in love with these books. I've listened to them all on tape probably three times, mm-hmm. uh, written by uh, uh, read by Patrick Tall, uh, and Patrick O'Brien started writing the 21st book that was going to be the final book in the series. He wrote a second draft, I think, of the first three chapters Okay, when he passed away. And so they published the first three chapters and handwritten notes that he had to what was going to end up being the final book. And if you've read uh, Harry Potter... Mm -hmm. Uh, which I did. I read while you guys were growing up. I, I did not like the final book. Right. Because Harry and his friends travel this serpentine path in order to say goodbye to every single character. Right. So it didn't serve the story purposes. It served an audience purpose, and I felt it it weakened the story tremendously because it's like, okay, who are they going to meet? Who who are they going to say goodbye to next? What's going to be the, you know, and that's not the way life works. You fall out of touch with people, like people get hit by a car or whatever, boom. And so, and that's, Patrick O'Brien started writing the series when he was 60 years old. So it's a very grown up yeah view of the world. And it's these characters who are like in their 20s, but it's such a grown up view of how things work in life and how right. sudden things change. And 
Jack is a brilliant sea captain. Put him on land. He's a complete idiot. <laughs> and the reverse is true for Stephen Matron. Put him on land. He is brilliant. Uh, so well read. So astute. Stick him on a ship and he can't figure out the port from starboard or in this case starboard from larboard right anyway anyway there's a very long way of saying i had to go to portsmouth to see the hms victory yeah why because the hms victory was the flagship of admiral nelson who was the head of the british fleet and uh and was the admiral at the battle of trafalgar in 1805 right which was the giant battle sea battle uh, naval battle between the British and the Fran and the combined forces of the French and the Spanish and, and okay. the, the Spanish, and um, and it was it was this unbelievable battle, this unbelievable sea battle, like yeah. probably the greatest battle ever known to history. Wow! Uh, and and it is it in fact the term uh, or the phrase England expects that every man will do his duty comes from the signals, the flag signals that, that Nelson sent or had sent across to all of his ships wow. prior to the battle starting. Uh, and what is utterly fascinating, and actually, let me just read a couple things about this. Um, this comes from the Wikipedia page. The battle was the most decisive naval victory of the war, being the Napoleonic Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, 27 British ships of the line, led by Admiral Lord Nelson, aboard HMS Victory, defeated... 33 French and Spanish ships of the line. Ships of the line were the, the large ships, right? Not the okay. smaller ones, the, 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 like the HMS Victory. Right? right. So this is like 60 guns, 50 guns wow. sort of thing, right? Um, and uh, in the Atlantic off the southwest coast of Spain, just west of the Cape of Trafalgar, the, hence Battle of Trafalgar, right? right? Uh, the Franco-Spanish fleet lost 22 ships without a single British vessel being lost oh my goodness right the british victory confirmed the naval supremacy that britain had established during the 18th century and was achieved in part through nelson's departure from the prevailing naval tactical orthodoxy which involved engaging an enemy fleet in a single line of battle parallel to the enemy to to facilitate signaling in battle and disengagement and to maximize fields of fire and target areas. Nelson instead divided his smaller force into two columns, mm -hmm. directed perpendicularly against the larger enemy fleet with decisive results. Okay? Wow. Now, this is what is utterly, utterly fascinating, and very few admirals or generals get this. His greatest naval victory, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of this, Nelson was shot by a French musketeer and died shortly after, becoming one of Britain's greatest war heroes. Wow. So we went yep. aboard the HMS uh, yep. Victory, <laughs> which I was beside myself, because, I mean, again, I absolutely love these these books, and it is the actual HMS Victory. And right. they show you the gun ports, not cannons. In the British Royal Navy, they were called guns. Mm -hmm. And they showed grape, grape shot, which was like tiny cannonballs that spread out. Yep. And when you fired those on a deck, you killed tens uh, scores of people right uh and then they had the stuff to to kind of cut the rigging right and yep. then the actual the actual the you know 12 pound shot yeah that went through that would sink ships right yeah 
And that was, uh, oh, oh, and then we went on deck. They actually show where yeah. Nelson fell. Yeah. Where Nelson fell. So I was I was in heaven. I was in absolute heaven. Uh, there was a lot of other cool stuff, but to me, it was the HMS Victory. And I bought yes. a chunk of the HMS Victory because they've been refurbishing it. Yep. So they pulled out the original wood, and I bought a hunk of it that yeah. shows where they had bored through a hole in it. Yeah. Um, to keep the ship together. So that's something that I'm also going to yeah. take to New York. So what was your thought of the trip to Portsmouth? Yeah, no, it was really cool. It was absolutely like a trip for you because it was something you really <laughs> wanted to do. But it was really cool to see it because like I don't know that history very well. So to see it through a museum was really cool. But what I specifically was captivated by is all the paintings of the battles. Because they have these... Gorgeous paintings, some of which are like the covers for the um yes. for the books. And they're amazingly done and like I don't tend to expect to see amazing art at like not an art museum. I tend Yes. So to go to a history museum and see all of that, like the history was cool, but like whenever I would get bored I would see these amazing paintings I could just stare at for not not an hour, but like Right, right. No, it was cool. It was cool because I wasn't expecting to see the painted covers from, from like the paperbacks, yeah. and I expected them to be bigger. Yeah, because like I have upstairs. I, at some point, I'll get into being a, a fan of of the nineteen thirties pulp. So I do like Doc Savage and The Shadow and Operator Five yep. and uh, the Avenger and characters like that. And I met mm-hmm. back in the day Walter Baumhofer, who painted the original Doc Savage. Oh, covers. Wow. And so I met him shortly before he passed away, and I bought a whole bunch of old pulps, and I had him sign these Yeah, uh, for me. And I have two reproductions of two of the Doc Savage covers, Man of Bronze and Brand of the Werewolf, I think, I have upstairs. Yeah. And they're big. And, oh, yeah. And I met, I mean, I've seen the original Man of Bronze cover. I mean, I've seen, uh, I think it was Rusty Hevelin, uh, I'm probably getting his name wrong, uh, his last name. His first name was Rusty. Uh, but every PulpCon I went to, he would always have the original Man of Bronze wow. painting. And it was big. I mean, it was like the size we have upstairs. Yeah. So it's like a full-size poster type size thing. Yeah. And so seeing the paintings for the Patrick O'Brien stuff being a little bit smaller kind of threw me off. Right. And they're kind of hidden around the corner. Yeah. They're like, you yeah. know, you're kind of walking and there's a column, <laughs> like a, a squared column. And suddenly you turn and there's two more original, you know, covers <laughs> from, from Patrick O'Brien. Um, which are gorgeous. I oh, mean, yeah. absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Um, so yes, yes. And in fact, I took you guys to see the HMS surprise yes. from the film. Cause I think we talked a couple weeks ago about the trip we did to California yeah. where we yeah. drove down the trans Pacific, uh, trans Pacific, um, the Pacific coast highway. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we were driving and I was working. That's what happened. I was working in San Diego uh, for the reality series that I did way, way, way yeah, back in the day. Yeah. And my plane was late. And so I arrived at like two in the morning and, uh, I think the, the shuttle that was supposed to take me to the hotel wasn't running anymore. And there were only so many cabs left. So like there was four of us would just jam yeah. into a cab and pay whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm like wedged against the side, cranky, tired, et cetera, et cetera. And I look out the window of the cab and I see a tall ship and I'm like, that looks like the HMS Surprise, which is Captain Jack Aubrey's favorite ship. Yeah. And the ship that is in the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the HMS Surprise. 
what the hell? And I'm like, oh my god, that's the HMS Surprise. So I had to look it up. Yeah. And I found out that the the uh, it was originally the Rose, and it was refurbished. Okay. To turn it into the HMS Surprise, and we took I took you guys, remember? And we got we got pictures with the guy who was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so huge, oh, huge yeah. fan. It was awesome to see it. Uh, and um, yeah, so that that was that was amazing to me. Uh, seeing such a, a you know this the this British hero, right? In fact, uh, the column, the Nelson Trafalgar Square, <laughs> is a tribute to the battle. Yeah, and there is the Nelson column in the middle, which is for Admiral Nelson, which we climb. Not yeah. the column, but the base. Yeah, yeah, Everyone yeah. climbs up on the oh, base. Yeah. It's where they have all the lions. Yep, and it's gorgeous, gorgeous oh, yeah. thing. And and with the Doctor Who connection, right? Who, in yeah, one of it was uh. Oh crap! Uh, Dalek invasion of Earth, a, a William Hartnell episode. Uh, the Daleks spray painted one of the things off to the side of the Nelson Memorial uh, with their little language thing. Wow! And they actually, the guy who worked on it actually spray painted it. And yeah, and and oh like goodness. one of the police officers came over to like holler at him and he's like, no, 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 it'll come right off. Not a problem. And it didn't come right off. So he had to like scrub it for like wow. two hours until it was oh completely my clean. Uh, and then there was also, um, is it the 50th anniversary? I... One of the, with Matt Smith, he's hanging off and they, they drag the, the TARDIS and the TARDIS is, is comes down over the, the column. Right. Shoot. Yeah. And I so whichever episode that, yeah. that is. Um, so, and I'm sure many of you are probably asking yourselves now, you know, why is this person going on and on about this? <laughs> uh, but also, did Captain Jack Aubrey ever meet Lord Nelson? Right? Because yeah. fictional characters are always the person who, you know, was the pivotal person in yeah. battle. This is why I love Patrick O'Brien. <laughs> because uh, Jack Aubrey was at the Battle of the Nile, which was Nelson's first big victory mm -hmm. over the French. Uh, and was knocked on the head and missed the entire battle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and was not at Trafalgar. Was not at Trafalgar at all. However, Jack does tell a story of having met uh, Admiral Nelson twice. Wow. Right? And the first time uh, was that they were eating. So he was like a lieutenant or whatever. And so he got to eat with the captain at the captain's table. Okay. And, and very famously, Nelson said to Jack, may I trouble you for the salt? <laughs> Which he always enjoyed telling other people. And then he was explaining, I don't know if it was the same meal or if it was a different meal. And he was explaining to one of the young ladies there about maneuvers, right? Mm -hmm. How you sail to get the weather gauge so that you you gain a superior position against the enemy. Right. At, to which to which Nelson interrupted and said, never mind maneuvers, always go straight at them. And so that was his sort of battle cry. And it's so it's <laughs> neat. You have a character who has a hero. Yeah. Who always looks up to him and always defends him and always does. So anyway, that's uh that's my yeah. sort of that's my pandering. That's awesome. My, uh, that's my pandering. So um, so we, I guess we now move on to the mailbag. The first letter is from Mike from Gaithersburg. Awesome. Who we ran into oh at Otakon. Yeah. Right? He was working one of the booths yeah. for Katsukan. Yeah. For Katsukan. And, uh, and he told me how lovely I looked. Yeah. And referred to me as she, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was very cool. 
Anyway, uh, Mike says Wallace Sean, not Sean Wallace. Yeah, I know. We already covered it. <laughs> Man, beating a dead horse here. <laughs> I think you're suffering from undiagnosed dyslexia, my friend. I actually am dyslexic, though. Though oh, okay. I mean, though I guess, you know, it, I should preface that with the way Eddie Zard does, <laughs> which is I'm partially dyslexic. Yeah. Because as soon as you find out someone else who's more dyslexic than you, uh, it becomes very competitive. It yeah. Very competitive. So I, I do have dyslexia, but but I think there are uh, most other people's, their dyslexia is worse than mine. Right. So yeah, not trying to be competitive, <laughs> right? Not trying to be the most dyslexic person. Uh, but you know, it's funny. It's This is weird. I actually had not thought about it until just now. Eddie Zard, mm-hmm. dyslexic. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner. Oh. Dyslexic. Wow. I haven't read the article, but apparently that was something that she was dealing with was in terms of like giving the speech, she was really nervous because she has dyslexia. Wow. Okay. So, and so do I. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I love having dyslexia. Awesome. (laughs) Helps me on Scrabble. Helps me on Scrabble. Um, So, uh, (laughs) uh, the next one comes in the form of a phone call that I received. Wow. Earlier today, out of the blue, from my oldest friend in the world, who we shall call Yibor, because that was the nickname I had for him, and he used to call me Leoj. And um, there's a story to that. Those of you who are clever can write (laughs) in and tell me what the story is. Uh, And uh, he called to tell me he was driving with his wife back from some like wedding or something and they were listening to the podcast because their grandparents were were watching the kids so they got mm-hmm. to actually be able to listen to it and they listened to the podcast and they loved it awesome they thought it was fantastic so this is really cool for me because again oldest friend in the world you know calling me up and telling me how uh how how terrific it is wow and then and then says more dante <laughs> i'm like really <laughs> okay I, I think I, I finally want to step in on this because I love hearing more Dante because that's like... <laughs> so keep it up. Keep, keep it, up. it up. Absolutely. But like I talk as much as I want to. When when you cut in, it's usually because I've run out or I'm trying to figure out what to do next and can't figure it out. So really, I'm hoping that you always say more Dante because that means I'm not doing a bad job, but this is... As much as happens is as much as I'll do. Well, I mean, it's, it, this is what you do in show business. Leave them wanting more. Yep. Leave them wanting more. And I joke about this, but I love it. <laughs> I love when people say more Dante. That to me is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I joke <laughs> about less stage and stuff like that. But clearly, this is a joy for me yeah. to do a podcast with you. This is fun. You yeah. know, this is the your last summer before you start school and, you know, and I see you significantly less. And this is how many parents get to do... <laughs> Spend this much time and yeah. interact intellectually and comedically, hopefully, <laughs> and all those different things. Um, so I, I guess to that point, well, I, let me read to you the next letter. Awesome. So this is Karen in Alaska, Oh, <laughs> which is awesome. We are now off the continental United States, <laughs> right? We're into Alaska. And she says, listen for the first time. Good work. Uh, and, uh, and then followed up with, Hey, Didge, think what you're doing with your podcast is great. Two pieces of feedback I have. I think you sometimes wander off topic, which we never do. No, I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I am. That is, I ain't fixing that one. Yep. Sorry. Uh, tangents is, that's what I do. 
That's that's what I do in 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 every aspect of my life. I do, I think, eventually reel it back in. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that's the way my brain works. And so just imagine living in the same house with me as just like leap, 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 leap. Yeah. Awesome. And the second comment and this, I had to look this up. So the second comment is you Bogart the conversation from Dante. Huh? Bogart as a verb Bogarting. Yeah. Right. Like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Right? Casablanca. African queen. <laughs> okay? So I had to look this up. And this is what I found online. Uh, this is from... Actually, this is from the Humphrey Bogart Wikipedia page. Okay. Right? So we know it's going to be 90% accurate. Yep. Uh, the slang term bogarting, which I love. I mean, this is so awesome. Yeah. I just like bacalling, I guess, would be better because... You know, I'm a trans woman now, <laughs> you know, but you know, hey, back in the day, did anything of like being compared to Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> that would have been awesome, you know. So anyway, the slang term bogarting refers to taking an unfairly long time with a shared marijuana joint. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, it derives from Bogart's style of cigarette smoking, leaving his cigarette dangling from his mouth between puffs. And in fact, there's a 1968 song called Don't Bogart Me <laughs> by the U.S. band Fraternity of the Man, which became popular in counterculture through its inclusion in the soundtrack of the 1969 movie Easy Rider. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the lyrics refrain is Don't Bogart That Joint, My Friend. Pass it over to me. So I want to be clear. I want to be very clear to anyone listening to this podcast. We do not do drugs nope. on this show. Yeah. And if we did, I would share with Dante. Yep. <laughs> right? Hypothetically. Yeah. For all of you law enforcement folks listening to our podcast. Um, so I had to dig a little bit deeper and I found this in Urban Dictionary, which is most awesome website. Oh, yeah, oh, right? yeah. Absolutely. The act of hogging something to the point of annoyance <laughs> right and that's me yes yeah. i do bogart sorry that's but i didn't know there was a phrase for it yeah and they give an example jeffrey stop bogarting and let me fucking sleep on the mini mattress this time <laughs> okay so um so yeah uh, uh okay. apparently i bogart apparently i bogart uh she continues clearly you are the stronger speaker and bring more color to the podcast and i'm not sure if you can coach dante in expressing himself more Anyone would have a hard time keeping up with you, given your extensive reading and quick mind. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, but that easy way you have of conversing is something I think he will learn. Awesome. No, I, I don't know if you could coach me. I don't know if I'd be like... I Coachable could... by a parent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I will say you are so... We listen to these podcasts. Yeah. Like, we do the podcast... For 17 hours, yep. and then we try to cut them down to two hours. Yeah. Sort of that's our role. You're welcome, people. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we usually eat dinner. Yeah. Like, we're at, as soon as we're done, we're going to warm up food from Otakon, right? Yeah. You know, the burgers and, and, the, and the quesadilla. And, uh, and then we're going to listen to it. But it is such a joy listening to you. You are... Um, you to me and i'm not biased in any way <laughs> shape or form but you come across as so intelligent um so well spoken 
Uh, and it has been a joy to see you grow over the course from our first test yeah. podcast that yeah. we did where I was trying to get you to talk more. And I was, I got to be honest, I was a little nervous. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so is this going to work? Because I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but you basically talked yourself onto the show. Yeah. I was talking to you about doing a podcast about being transgender and about my journey yep. and how I thought it would be neat to get a female co-host. Um, because there were different younger women who I knew in New York who I thought right. would be perfect for this sort of dialogue. And then I could ask dumb questions mm -hmm. and then we could sort of compare and contrast the experience of living as a guy and living as female and transgender. And, and I could share guy experiences and my current experiences and a woman could share her experiences right. and how much I have to learn. And okay. I could ask questions. And those were all the things And I was explaining this to you. Cause you listen to a lot of podcasts. And what did you say? I said, well, I'm gender fluid. So I'm a girl part of the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been great. It's been great. So anyway, she goes on anyway, loving what you were doing here in Alaska, quite a few people, um, who were different located here seeking peace, and we have a very strong LGBT community. Uh, when I go back home, I find it disheartening how many people I know who are hiding who they are due to a fear of social and family rejection. Thank you for being a role model. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much. That is so fantastic to hear. Um, you know, and, um, and this sort of leads into the topic du jour yeah uh which i'm sort of dubbing str the strength to come out right and um because i i was you know again there's so many things happen in a row and you just sort of be like okay is maybe someone's telling me something right so i was on facebook and i i read someone's someone had posted about caitlin jenner and uh and usually the posts are positive it's the group of friends, the 400 friends yeah. that someone has, suddenly someone starts not being groovy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure we've all seen this on our Facebook feeds. And I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to not, you know, I don't want to defriend people yeah. or I don't want to jump into the fray because we all know that Facebook arguments are, yeah. are, are so positive and, and never end up, uh, you know, following the Godwin rule. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so this person said that they didn't think it was courageous for Caitlyn Jenner to come out now. It would have been if she had come out in the 80s. Right. And I remember reading the comment and and being a little surprised that someone would would say that. Yeah. And then I realized that while that was harsh... That is how I judge myself. I mean, I've talked about this before that I felt I don't feel courageous. I don't right. feel like I did something yeah. special. I just felt like I stopped being a coward. And to be clear, I am harder than on myself than I am on anyone else on this planet. Uh, I expect a lot from myself. And I have serious issues when I fail to live up to my own standards of integrity and excellence. So this is not, I want to be clear. I only apply this to myself, right? Not to anybody else, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't hold anyone else to the standard. So I'm not being critical of Caitlyn Jenner, but I, I, I read that and I said, wow, 
that is the view I have for myself because I'm a perfectionist. I'm I have a type A personality. I don't believe in excuses. Yeah. It's put up or shut up. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? We were talking about this because someone was joking around at Oticon. Yeah. Doing the Sheila Buff thing. Yep. The the motivational speaker thing he did of I, I still haven't seen the or- original video because it's apparently like 30 minutes long, but he stood in front of a green screen, paced around, and did this long monologue of, of like, follow your dreams and just do it. And and it became this meme. And I saw it on one of the various websites I was browsing, and all of a sudden it was everywhere. Because it was a green screen. People could edit it into whatever they wanted. So he clearly knew what he was doing when he did that, that it would spread like that. I don't know what goal he had in mind. Well, I actually, after we were, you've probably seen this or heard about this, where you see see Sheila Buff kind of doing a Hulk Hogan (laughs) and and being like totally crazy, right? Yep. (laughs) And going, do it, do it. So um, after we got back, I I actually started reading uh, up about this. And there's a great Yahoo article that, that I found. Which, uh, and let me quote from this, uh, a few of the paragraphs. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who have already seen the hilarious clip of actor Shia LaBeouf screaming, just do it, furiously at the camera for two minutes, and those who will. (laughs) The first time you see it, you can't help having some reaction. The guy is just losing it. He's like a Nike commercial delivered by Charles Manson. Throughout this rant, he's contorting himself. He doubles over. He plucks some invisible birdseed out of one palm. He keeps closing the space around his crotch. Overall, he behaves as though his distress over your inactivity is being compounded by severe intestinal distress. But it gets better. Much better. LaBeouf was filmed in front of a green screen. And you know what that means. <laughs> Using video editing software, you can replace the green background with any video or photo you choose. Yep. <laughs> it took the internet only a few hours to start dropping LaBeouf into a variety of increasingly hilarious backgrounds. Star Wars, <laughs> 2001 Space Odyssey, and the most awesome TED speech you've ever seen. <laughs> as it turns out, he's not as clueless as he seems. He's actually performing. He was scripted and directed in this clip. LaBeouf was participating in a video art project called Hashtag Introductions for Central St. Martin's, a London arts college. LaBeouf wound up performing 36 of the pieces in a single day in a Los Angeles green screen studio. The various segments involve him wearing a motorcycle helmet, using a British accent, and standing on his head. In other words, the hilarious rant video is actually just a two-minute excerpt from the art student project. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyway, that was people That's were shouting that in the halls yeah. while we were walking. And they, you know, while we were walking, people were going, do it, do it. And then everyone, suddenly everyone started laughing and started doing the posing. So just, that seemed to fit. That That's awesome. Fit yeah. And Karen, I apologize. These are the tangents and digressions that we do. Yeah. And as, uh, oh, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter David, as Peter David used to say, but I digress. Mm. Peter David was a, a comic book writer uh, with Marvel. Okay. Probably still is. Okay. Uh, did a lot of stuff like Star Trek novelizations. Uh, okay. I'm not a Trekkie. I never read them, but I just always saw them. Yeah. And he talked about it. He had a column called But I Digress. Okay. And the comic book buyer's weekly thing. Yeah. 
and he wrote uh, X Factor and the Hulk. Okay. Uh, very, very, very popular fan, uh, 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 comic book writer within the fan community. Okay. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I tend not to pick topics for this podcast, the topic du jour, until the end of the week. I, I don't right. have this laundry list. In the beginning, I did of like how I came out to people. But now I just kind of wait to see after having listened to the podcast, see what the emails come in. See how people responding. See what happens in my life. Yeah. But when events start to happen, I start to see a pattern. And I am a believer in synchronicity. Yep. <laughs> um, so I got a note from somebody who knows some of the same people who I know. And this person said... Your outward display of your true self got a lot of people talking and a couple of people plumb mad. I think your strength gives strength to others. And for those who would resent such change, what you have done is just bad, bad. You frighten them because by your coming out, you teach others that rules can be bent and broken. And that empowers those they would wish to control. So I started thinking about my own coming out. Yeah. And I want, I guess I want to share in a little deeper detail because I talked about kind of what my journey was and da da da, but it wasn't bravery. It was that I finally saw my life in a way that I couldn't unsee and this is one of my favorite concepts is once you've seen something you can't unsee it right yeah and i saw my life i saw the pattern of my life and i could no longer ignore that you look backwards in your life and you start to see a series of events form a pattern when you're living them they're just events they're just random but you look back and you start to see a pattern you start to see a path that you walked hindsight obviously wonderful thing right (laughs) but that was the moment for me when i started remembering events that i hadn't thought about this isn't about suppressed memories we have a lot of things we've done in our lives and there's mm-hmm. just things that you don't think about. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have a flash memory, at least I do of something. Oh my God. I remember when I did this and when I was young, uh, I would sneak out of the house through my window yeah. after my parents had gone to sleep. Wow. Um, and I would, I would go out dressed as a girl. Again, not to meet anyone. I mean, because yeah. I was, I mean, I don't even know how old I was, probably 12, something like that. And I, I just, because I could go out and I could walk. Yeah. You know, and you have to be so quiet and you have to, you know, and all these, I'm shocked I was never caught. Wow. Shocked I was never caught. Um, And it was, again, it wasn't to be seen. It was to be. Right. Something that I wasn't allowed 
to be. Watching Bewitched, which I think I've mm. talked about in the past, and crinkling my nose so that I could change my body and no one would ever find out. You know, so again, it's it's some people I've come out to and the stuff you see on Facebook and, you know, they, they talk about drag behavior, drag queen behavior, which to me is about putting on a show. It's about impersonation. It's about female impersonation. Right. It's about entertaining. It's about burlesque. It's about exaggeration. And that's never what it was for me. Right. Uh you know, and I mean, I remember, you know, I remember when I first went to college and, you know, started dating and, and, um, you know, in those freshman college year kind of dating things. And, and, you know, the girl that I was kind of, kind of, sort of seeing for my birthday gave me uh, a thing of nail polish. Oh. Because I was always fascinated by her nail polish. Yeah. Um, and I, we never, I don't think we ever painted my nails, but I always want, like, wanted to paint her nails. And, yeah. And stuff like that. And um, and I remember the first summer where I didn't, I wasn't at home, where I went to Washington, D.C. to do an internship. And um, and I got a room at a fraternity uh, for dirt cheap, yeah. you know. And it was a singles, just me. And so, you know, there weren't a lot of people there. And I was I was able to shave my legs for wow. the first time. Wow. You know, and... and uh, and then I, there was a wig store that I actually, you know, I rented out a different room for the final month of the summer that had a back entrance. And so it was like it was my own place and wow. I could go out. And I, I remember I went and I, you know, I, it was the first time I ever got a wig. And it was just, you know, or in college going for drives, you know, and I, I used to tell people, oh, I'm going to go for a drive yeah. and, oh, I'm going to clear my mind. You know, it's the cool thing. And right. it was actually I had my little stash of clothes and I would drive to a hotel. Uh, usually like, you know, on a Sunday night or like when it wasn't busy Yeah, and you'd sort of go to a hotel that didn't have a lot of people there and you kind of went to the wing, like the convention center wing of it and you'd find a bathroom that wasn't, um, closed Mm -hmm. that no one was in. And then you could go in there and you could change, you could apply makeup and you could do all those different things. And then, you know, you could walk around the parking lot or you could go for a drive. And I always went to, uh, parking garages. That were like empty right. late at night. Yeah. No one had parked at a commuter parking lot sort of thing. And then I could just be me and I could yeah. just kind of sort of walk around. And so again, you look back at all these sort of things and you start, you start to see that these random events actually created a path. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And that you were actually on a journey the whole time. You didn't realize it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that those events and that journey got to got you to where you are now. <laughs> right? And so that was that moment where I suddenly went, wow, these weren't random events. This isn't a habit I'm gonna quit. This isn't it's for me it was forty years of a very specific style of life that I was living. And once I saw it from that perspective, from a distance, yeah. I saw this line wow. and I couldn't deny that line anymore. And so it became very obvious to me where this path was going. You know, it's like, I've always told you guys that like, 
you know, um, that, that any two dots are a line. Yeah. But three dots that line up, that's a pattern. Yeah. And I had more than three dots <laughs> in a row. So last week, I talked about Naruto. Uh, and this week, I would like to talk about Vagabond, which is another manga that, yeah. that I love. I've tried to get you to read. Yeah. I've been unsuccessful. Yeah. And it's um, it's a, a fictionalized account of the greatest Japanese swordsman of all time, Miyamoto Musashi. And it's based on a novel called Musashi. I think it's from like 1907. And it is considered the gone with the wind of Japanese history. Okay. It is this sprawling event that goes through history. It's the Battle of Sekigahara, which is the, the battle between East and West the unification battle between East and West in 1600 that resulted in Tokugawa, um, Iyasu, uh, and the Tokugawa shogunate okay. yeah. taking over Japan for whatever it was, you know, 268 years. Approximately. <laughs> Japanese history minor in college. Uh, and, and it's a love story. And, and, again, fictionalized. Right. But it's this wonderful account of Miyamoto Musashi starting as uh, a kid, Takezo, who was the demon child. And there's yeah. an entire other part of this I'll talk about at some point. Uh, and and becoming the swordsman, Miyamoto Musashi, and searching out all of the great swordsmen of the day. Right. And all of these wonderful, actual historical figures. And and um, and again, if, if you ever get a chance to pick up Vagabond. Highly recommend it. Uh, it was also, the original book was turned into what's called the Samurai Trilogy okay. uh, that was done in the 50s uh, with uh, Toshiro Mifune, who's my favorite right. Japanese actor, right? So he's in Seven Samurai. He's in uh, Yojimbo and Sanjuro and Rashomon yep. and Throne of Blood and almost any Kurosawa film <laughs> From like 1950 to 1965, the the last one they collaborated on was I think Redbeard in like 65, uh, and just he was in Shogun, just a phenomenal, phenomenal War in the Pacific with uh, Lee uh, Lee Marvin, which a crazy movie, but again, terrific, terrific actor, and he plays uh, the, the the again the most famous swordsman yep. in Japanese history, Miyamoto Musashi, who never lost a duel. Wow, he was undefeated. And people probably know him, even who don't know anything about Japan, that he wrote a book called The Book of the Five Rings, uh, which was a book on uh, like strategy and tactics right. and philosophy that in the 1980s became very popular for American businessmen and Japanese businessmen okay. as, as an approach to doing business. Uh, he also, I don't know if he actually knew, but there was a Buddhist monk uh, whose name was Taquan uh, Soho. And I, right. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it because, again, I'm, I have a lot of book knowledge. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know how his name was uh, pronounced. But anyway, um, he was a major figure uh, in Zen Buddhism. Uh, in the it's, it's called the Rinzai School. Okay. Uh, and was very popular at the time. Uh, the peasants loved him. Ah. And he didn't let his fame go to his head. And so he would argue... He actually got banished by by one of the shoguns because wow. he 
fought for, you know, what the peasants deserved and uh, had a, this acerbic wit and incredible integrity. So he, in and of itself, is, is a very famous character in history. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote uh, a treatise called The Unfettered Mind, okay. uh, which is still published to, wow. to this day. So within the context of this story, the two of them know each other. And uh, it is uh, it is Taquan who sort of teaches Miyamoto Musashi how to look at life. Right. And what he's missing by constantly trying to defeat the next person and the next person and the next person. Um, so this is a quote from the story of Taquan talking to Miyamoto Musashi after Miyamoto Musashi uh, has been injured, badly, yeah. badly injured, uh, and is unable to leave. And and so Taquan says, to be honest, there's so much that I don't really understand. What are we? Why are we born? Is there hope for us? How should we live? I don't know. In this dark chaos, we suffer and struggle and make mistakes. I, too, suffer from being self-centered. <laughs> and, and Dante's now giving me a look. I have no idea why. Yeah. <laughs> The truth is, I recently heard a voice, and according to this voice, our paths, yours and mine, both of our paths and our futures, have been completely preordained by the heavens. And because it is so, that's the reason we are so completely free. Huh. And I know this might not make sense, and I have pondered this because I reread things over and over yeah. and over again and Vagabond comes out very slowly there's like one new manga graphic novel comes out once a year wow. which is like nine chapters yeah you know like 120 pages and so every time there's a new one uh, I have to reread the well I don't yeah. have to but I do I reread the entire series in fact Kino Kunia in New York City Yes. Which is the the <laughs> Japanese bookstore and manga store that we go to every time we go to New York. Yeah. That we went to when we went to New York for five days. Yeah. Has the artist yep. painted the characters on the wall in the second floor. So when you go up the escalators, you will see Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, um. I have pondered this over several years. And it always spoke to me in some way that I couldn't explain. Because I'm not, I am a believer in free will. I am not a believer in preordained. Right. And then we were watching Doctor Who and watching some science programs yeah. about time. And so I think. I think I can explain this with science. Okay. Okay. So bear with me. If you're not a Doctor Who fan, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. <laughs> so, so bear with me. So if time is the fourth dimension, and this is, again, this is science e yeah. type <laughs> stuff. But if time is a fourth dimension and some being could look at our lives from that perspective. Our life would be a timeline. Yeah. And our life would be complete. 
they don't look at it the way we live time. We live time a minute at a time, an hour at a time, a day at a time, progressively, only in one direction. So right. if you look at time from the fourth dimension, time is complete. Yeah. Right? In other words, from that perspective, all of the choices that we've ever made and will make in our lives have already been made. Yeah. We have already completed our journey. We have already walked our path. I talk about looking backwards yeah. and seeing these dots, that they are in fact a path. And I now understand what my path is going forward, or at least for the next however many months. Yeah. You know, and then you you reset and you figure it out. So from that perspective, and with free will, this is the important <laughs> part, we have already chosen our path yeah. in the future, looking at it from a different perspective, right? With science, very important, <laughs> with science. Uh, we have already lived our life. We have already made our choices. We have made our choices. And what I take from that perspective, and again, this has taken me years to sort of completely have all the tumblers sort of yeah. fall in place in my head. But that means enjoy your life. You've already made your decisions. Yeah. All the decisions you're going to make moving forward, you've already made. So stop worrying about making the wrong decision. Yeah. Because you don't get backsies, right? Yeah. When you make a decision, you've made a decision. You don't get to go back and make a different decision. This isn't This isn't a game of what if, right? Right. This is reality. This isn't fantasy. It's not fiction. It is, in fact, quite literally comic books. Because Marvel Comics put out in the 70s a comic book called What If. Yep. And they took, you know, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? Yeah. I think that was the first issue. Fantastic wow. Five. Right? And you don't you don't get to do that. Yeah. That's not how life works. So and it's kind of funny. Let me quote Ben Grimm, a comic book <laughs> character in a comic book from 1987. It was actually one of my favorite stories. It's um Fantastic Four versus the X-Men by Chris Claremont. Okay. Everyone can just bear with me. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, Ben Grimm, who's the thing, yeah. through a horrible accident, conducted an experiment conducted by his best friend, Reed Richards. He is deformed. Yeah. He is a pile of rocks filled with self-loathing. No yeah. one will love him. No one will ever love him. And so he covers it with comedy. And in the context of the story... He finds a diary written by Reed Richards that suggests that this was not an accident. That it was planned, that Reed understood what would happen, and that the world needed defenders. Right. And so he planned everything. It was not a mistake. Because Reed Richards is the smartest person on the planet. Yeah. And he doesn't make mistakes. So the entire point of this is that he didn't. And so when... Ben finds this out, very angry, very yeah, angry. Oh, yeah. And and Susie, 
Susan Storm, Susan Richards, who yeah. you know married Reed Richards, says, um, "I wish this weren't true." To Ben, and Ben responds, "I got wishes too, Susie, but wishes are for kids because they believe they'll come true. I'm a grown-up. I know better." So again, we <laughs> we don't get to change our minds. Yeah. We don't get to wonder what would have happened if I had turned left. What would have happened if I had done this? Yeah. We lived our lives, right? We live our lives, and I'm a believer that we've already lived our lives. Again, free will. Yeah. <laughs> free will. I know people are like, Dig is completely off a rocker, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I guess the reason I bring this up is because the tumblers fell in place for me. Yeah. There was enough conversation in enough places that maybe there are other people out there who are hiding something in their closet. Whatever it is. We all have something that we hide in our closet. Yeah. That's a dirty little secret. We all yeah. have stuff that we hide. And I just decided I wasn't going to hide anymore. Because I saw that path. So all I can say to you folks who might be listening. And who might be trying to figure out. Hey, you know. Can I live my life differently? All I can say is look back. Yeah. <laughs> At your dots. Figure out what that path is that has led you to this point. Connect those dots. And then in a sciencey kind of way, <laughs> realize that you know what your path is moving forward. And if you want to go along with the ride for me, understand that you've already made those decisions. Yeah. And Live your life without fear. Make those decisions without fear because you've already made them. Yeah. And I need to be clear about something because I don't know anyone's life. Right. right. I don't know anyone's life. I don't know what the ramifications are. But be who you are. Stop worrying and be who you are. If that's brave, closeted, indecisive, whatever that is, that is who you are. Yeah. And be who you are. I'm not asking you to, I don't know what the ramifications are. Mm -hmm. I'm just an idiot with the podcast, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but whatever you do, don't let the bastards bring you down. Yeah. <laughs> right? Be who you are. Be, just be who you are. And do it. <laughs> do it! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's enough pontificating for one podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we're going to go to wrap up. Uh, so check us out, adventuresintransgendering.com. Like us. Yeah. Like us everywhere. Like yeah. the individual posts. Like us on Facebook. Uh, what were Facebook.com slash Typing Monquette. Right? Yep. We got a YouTube channel, uh, Typing Monquette. Again, yeah. just throw all the stuff in search. Go to our website. Check us out. Uh, and, and look, Hey, if you haven't, if you use iTunes and you haven't left a review, 
leave a review. Leave yeah. a five-star review. Yeah. If you don't want to leave a five-star review, then don't, you don't have to leave anything. Yeah. Totally yeah. cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, send us a note at DIG at typingmonkeys.com. Honest, honestly, uh, love to hear from you. And, and if something I've said today triggers something and you need someone to talk to, reach out to me and, and, and look, let me know. I don't want to, I don't want this on the podcast. Right. Reach out to us, reach out to us. Um, you know, I was too afraid to, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And, um, you know, but again, it's worked out. It works out. We live our lives moving forward, not backwards. Yeah. And, uh, enjoy, enjoy life. That's all I can say. So with that, I guess I promised to stop pontificating (laughs) and I failed, but at least I didn't go off on a tangent. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good thing. So, so with that, we're going to play you out with waiting on a choice by Greg Hoffman.